hit me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for... Sucker Time. The number one award-seeking comedy podcast about comedy. Podcasts. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast podcaster, Mark Hershaw. Ah, oh, geez, yep, here I am, Mark Hershon, your host and artificial sweetener for Epi 131 of Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast. It's another edition of Succotash Clips, and we have a whole passel of comedy podcast clippage just for you. When I say we, I mostly mean me, because I'm the only one here in Studio F on an early Sunday morning talking to you now. But I also include in that we... Our booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, whom you just heard. Our engineer-producer, Joe Polino, somewhere in the darkness, in the wings, making sure I don't completely screw this up. Our booth assistant, Kenny Durgis, who we haven't seen in a long time. And our delightful associate producer, Tyson Saner, who discovered and harvested several of the selections that you'll be hearing. I also include those comedy podcasters who got their clips to us all by themselves. Yes, that's right. If you want to get a clip for your show on our show, and you're tired of waiting around for either Tyson or me to find you, you can upload a three to five minute MP3 clip directly to Succotash by going to Hightail.com slash U, that's the letter U, slash Succotash with a capital S, U-C-C-O-T-A-S-H. S-H. It's capital S-U-C-C-O-T-A-S-H and following the simple instructions. If you didn't catch that URL, just hop over to our home site at SuckatashShow.com and click the link to the upload thingy that you'll find in the blog entry for this episode. I got my early bird three-day pass for this year's fifth annual Los Angeles Podcast Festival. It's towards the end of September, the 23rd through the 25th, at the uh, Sofitel Hotel in um, West Hollywood-ish, right by the Beverly Center. That pass was just 99 bucks, and I just checked. All the early bird passes are sold out. They had like three different levels. They're all gone. So if you're going to go, you got to pay full freight. But it's still worth it. You can get a one-day pass or get uh, go for all three. Check out the ticket sitch at LAPodfest.com. And I'm trying to see if they'll let me run a panel or be a guest on a panel or even just uh, I'd love to do a live Succotash episode from the festival. Who knows? We'll see. They'll probably give me nothing, right? But at the very least, uh, I'll be prepared to go hold down my usual corner of the podcast lab. And uh, they'll, they'll have to tear me out of there. Most of the clips we have loaded up for this show are from podcasts we've not featured before, but there are a couple of familiar faces, or voices rather. We have snippets from the Q Plot Device podcast, the Language of Bromance, the Mount Rushmore podcast, Poop Culture, the CISO Sea Show, the, the She Pod podcast, Sup Doc, This Freakin' Show, This Is a Podcast, and the Unoriginal Podcast. In addition to the clips, we have a double dose of our Burst O Durst segment with political comedian and social commentator Will Durst, plus another musical piece by Tyson made up by cobbling together audio from the How Did This Get Made podcast called Dance Mr. Boogaloo. There's a pile of things to read in the old tweet sack. Hi, Tweety, you've been busy. And in honor of the e of Elon Musk's most recent SpaceX private rocket launch and landing, this episode of Succotash Clips is brought to you by Henderson Space Pants. Hello, friends. Ever dream of a life of romantic adventure? Want to get away from it all? Well, we offer you Henderson Space Pants. Yes, Space Pants. Say it with me. Space Pants. Here's the story behind Henderson Space Pants. 
A few years ago, the head of Henderson's procurement office heard a rumor from a guy who knew a guy who had a sister who worked in the factory that makes the bolts that hold on the rear tailgates of the heavy-duty utility vehicles that were driven by a man who lived down the street from a woman that knew a mailman who once delivered a registered letter to a man who used to work as a substitute gate sentry at Cape Canaveral. Okay? Well, it seems this fellow had it on good authority that NASA was going to be putting in a huge order for space pants for the astronauts who fly the space shuttles. Based on that hot tip, Anderson's pants started churning out pairs of space pants by the lunar module full. Well, when NASA ended up pulling the plug on the whole shuttle program, plenty of people around Henderson's had freeze-dried egg on their faces. Only then did the fine folks at Henderson's discover the order was to have been for space suits, not space pants. It turns out there is no such thing as space pants. Until now, Henderson's has warehouses full of the suckers and you can wear them into space or anywhere else you care to squeeze into with your vacuum-packed ass. Originally designed for... Well, the NASA astronauts, haven't you been listening? Henderson space pants are available wherever mothballed airless flyboys shop. That's Henderson's, makers of fine slacks and merkins since 1457. And now back to Succotash. Thank you, Bill Haywatt. You know, there's little that warms the cockles of a political comedian's heart more than an election year. And that's got our resident raging moderate, Will Durst, all a Twitter. In fact, you can catch him tweeting on Twitter as at Will Durst if you want. But for right now, we've got him crowing over the fact that Donald Trump may have finally made a few missteps too many. Hey guys, Will Durst here wondering how low can a presidential campaign go? And the answer to that is find a snake belly and dig. This is a race that even TMZ and the National Enquirer could love. We've gone from personal insults to questioning the size of an individual's manhood and moved on to candidates making disparaging remarks about each other's wives. The recent brouhaha began when an anti-Trump pack before the Utah primary sent out an ad that featured a naked Melania Trump asking if that's what Mormon voters wanted to see in a first lady. Fortunately, no 13-year-old boys were asked. Eleanor Roosevelt got her picture in libraries all over America. Melania Trump would be the first first lady to have her picture taped to the inside of middle school lockers all over America. That's not a first lady. That's a first lady of the evening. Donald Trump blamed Ted Cruz for the ad and said, be careful or he was going to spill the beans on Cruz's wife. And no, he never mentioned which beans would be spilt. But presumably, we're not talking garbanzos here. Then Trump retweeted a supporter who posted side-by-side photos of Cruz's wife, Heidi, next to Melania and made an uncomplimentary comparison, which isn't really fair to the non-supermodel portion of America. And then all hell broke loose. And it's going to get looser unless participants call a truce. And it better be soon, or the next debate could have a section devoted to your mama jokes. Your mama is so fat when she wears a polo shirt that has a real horse on it. Oh yeah, well your mama is so fat that when she lies on the beach, Greenpeace tries to push her back into the ocean. And that's when Mitch McConnell does the only decent thing and shoots everyone, including himself. 
For Sakatash, the comedy podcast podcast, I'm Will Durst. If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, Will is headlining all over the place. He also gets out to visit the rest of the country as well. Keep your eyes peeled or visit his home site, willdurst.com, to see his schedule. I think Sakatash is beginning to collapse under the sheer weight of podcasts. It's crazy how many new shows are flocking out of podcast land, and not-so-new shows. I've recently become acquainted with a show called The She-Pod, Brunch with Rachel and Sarah, Not the Bible Ones. That's the full title of the show, but you can just call it She-Pod. That's what I do. And it just passed its epi-50 mark without me noticing it until now. The show features two women who aren't comedians, but they are funny as hell, Rachel King and Sarah Tenenbein. The latter is some kind of marketing consultant, and the former works as a writer and some other kind of consultant. In this slice of the show you're going to hear, they're talking about foodstuffs, organic, and otherwise. There are certain companies or certain brands out there, and he's not even a big brand, but there are certain things that when you know that you're using them, you know that there's literally nothing bad about it. Like, mm-hmm. no, like, children were harmed in making it. You know, it's sustainable. It's good. It's delicious. So anyway, it's a sushi restaurant, but everything about it is sustainable. Mm-hmm. So one page of his menu is actually uh, invasive species. He says that we should eat. So there are, like, oh, animals that people... that we should eat a lot of. Exactly. So there are animals that were introduced so like carp in Hungary for example or whatever it is and most of his stuff is local but basically animals that were introduced into the ecosystem mm-hmm. that are taking over he's like well we should be eating them and so he finds a way to make that palatable that everything really local. interesting he dives for his own seaweed for the miso soup okay um, I went there if you are passing through New Haven you absolutely need to stop and it's not super expensive yeah um but he won't have like tuna or or salmon he has like local arctic char which is very similar to salmon well we know you don't like that but Uh, well i mean if it's sushi i would eat it yeah um and so just very delicious and so i uh he actually just started using uh vegan cheese from soledad goats which is i love that for Soledad goats, I'm still not on board with vegan cheese. I understand, cheese. but the way that he incorporates it into yeah. a roll, you probably wouldn't even yeah, notice. Yeah, you wouldn't know. It would just yeah, be a it's creamy, not like, delicious something. It's not like he's serving it as a cheese plate. He's right. incorporating it into his dishes. I'm more comfortable with that. Yeah. Speaking so, of cheese. so I know, right? So he, I tweeted him and I said, I'm so like thrilled, like I'm happy that East Meets West, you're using Soledad's goat cheese. And I used the word incorporating, but I misspelled it. I left out the R. Mm-hmm. And of course, I'm like horrified. And, and I was you like, can't edit tweets yet. No. And so I like in all caps wrote incorporating. I typed too fast. And then he responded. It was so great. He responded. I didn't even notice my spelling is suck bad or something like that. <laughs> oh, and that's so really cute. He followed me and he liked one of my tweets. And so I was just totally fangirling. And so I love that, when that happens, it's not. And I'm so not a fan of social media, but I feel like it's sort of necessary in the world in general, mm-hmm. unless you're deciding to be a farmer or something. And it was just a Even moment. Then, if you're solid on goats, yeah, it'll help. you need to. Ha- it helps yeah. for sure. And so it was just a moment where I was just like, OK, being on Twitter totally worth it because Mm -hmm. I just interacted with someone that I never would have interacted with otherwise. Exactly. And so it's not what I'm eating necessarily, but it's something that I would like to eat. So if you're passing through New Haven, definitely stop by. Yeah. What are you eating? So cheese. Okay. Well, melted cheese. So I left Austin and I was like, all right, I'm going to be really good next week and, you know, get back into spin, which I have done that a little bit, but I'm still eating. It's like when you have it, it opens the floodgate. 
of wanting bad food all the time. Totally. I only, I it's like have it's two addictive. extremes. Yeah. Like either all bad food all the time. And so I was um, out for St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. A few days Which, ago. Which, by the way, very brave of you. Yeah. Well, yeah. we made a mistake. We tried to go to an Irish pub. Oh. So we had one car bomb and left immediately. Okay. I support the leaving. And went to uh, one of my favorite restaurants, Mercado. Okay. That's good. For green margaritas. Spicy Ooh. cucumber margaritas. I like it. Mm-hmm. And they have this thing called chori queso, which yeah. is chorizo in melted queso. Oh, no. And it's like the thick, Ugh. the super thick. And they have the good it's kind like of the chips. like the fondue queso. Mm-hmm. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Fondue queso. And it haunts my dreams. Oh, my God. It was next to guacamole. Oh, no. I, I barely touched even... the guacamole. Which is saying something. That's really saying something. Yeah. So, oh, my God. That's how you know. I just got super hungry. Mm-hmm. This wine ain't cutting it, Rachel. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. It's so sad. I know. That's the She Pod brunch with Rachel and Sarah, not the Bible ones. Fortunately, the URL to their home site isn't that unwieldy. It's simply shepod.com. <laughs> Obviously, they're also available through iTunes and all those other types of podcast places. I mentioned we'd have some old faces or voices earlier, and up next is a clip Tyson snipped for us from SupDoc, a podcast about documentaries and the documentarians who make them. From Epi 26, which I reviewed a few weeks back on Splitsider.com and the Huffington Post, we have part of a conversation with SupDoc co-host Paco Romain and guest Todd Glass, very funny guy, and a podcaster whom I interviewed during last year's LA PodFest, by the way. Maybe we'll see him again this year. The subject of the episode was Bill Maher's Religulous Doc from 2008, all about the craziness of the world's religions. I think a lot of people are scared to go to know where they go when they die, obviously. I am too. But my friend Kevin said, people are scared shitless. And if we could say to those people, number one, we can agree to disagree, but you need to know this. And I'm saying this to anybody listening that might... I promise you, that doesn't mean what I'm about to say will make us agree, but it should if you know I'm saying this from my heart. Yeah. I'm not doing it to be a dick. I'm not doing it to be a bully. You have to have somewhat of a disorder if you get comfort in taking people and what makes them feel good and trying to yank it out from under them. And I don't want to do that. I really don't you feel they are because they're taking something from you that's bringing you a lot of comfort. I would imagine it would, you know, where you know where you go when you die. Yeah. Wow, that's that's comforting. But people know deep down, I really do believe that it's not the truth. And I think I would want to say to these people, when I hear my friend almost doctor, I have to call him almost Dr. Kevin Seuss to talk about an honest relationship with what happens when you die. Uh-huh. An honest conversation that you would get the true comfort you want. Were you raised Catholic? No, we were. I was raised amazingly to believe in whatever we wanted. My parents let us go to. Wow. We learned a little bit about. We, we're Jewish by by birth. I was Jewish by birth, and um, we 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 studied that for a little while. And my neighbor one time wanted to take me and my brother to Bible camp, and my parents, which oddly enough, I found out years later. If you let your children believe, study everything, yeah. even being atheist, as was talked about, my wow. mom and was very progressive. That's very progressive. And you take out any fear of like, uh, if you don't believe what we believe, you'll burn in hell. It's funny how kids might come to an honest relationship with whatever they want to believe. <laughs> once you just take out the little thing of, because I will say this. Eternal hell and damnation. Right. Yes. So for people that are out there, I try to cover everything 
category. I know I go all over the place. But for someone that's out there is going, I do believe. We go to a church. It's a Catholic church. But we don't believe in. We're not homophobic. We're not sexist. Do those churches exist? Yes. They, I hope someone listening right now going, I'm so glad he said that. Because we're part of a church. We welcome everybody. But guess what? I still have a problem that you want to connect yourself with an organization that has done so much harm. I don't get that. And you're responsible for that. And even you need to retake, even though the people that are going, go, no, we go to a church. We're not homophobic. We're not racist. All, anybody that wants to come in our church, we love you. You love us. We're, you still have to relook at it. Maybe you don't want to align yourself with that group at all. They've done so much damage that maybe you want to rethink of, you don't want to say you're something that you then have to explain away. Why don't you attach yourself to a group that maybe never did all those atrocious things in the past? You might go, well, it's not our fault they did atrocious things in the past. It's not, but don't align yourself with them. Just start clean. It is a cosmic hug, though. I mean, religion brings people that, that like, warm, fuzzy feeling that sometimes they mm-hmm. didn't have growing I I've... I like I grew up in a uh, free denomination agape kind of um, religion, which is you know t- speaking in tongues and all that kind of crazy stuff. And I know a lot of those people that went to our church were drug users, former drug users, former alcoholics that then turned to religion as almost the same thing. You know, right. it's almost an equivalent. Of and, that. you know, for someone that has used religion to get off a of drug, someone might go, "How can you argue that?" Maybe I wouldn't with that person. Maybe that's not the person. Right. But for other people, <laughs> you know, maybe I'd let yeah. that serve its purpose for a little while. But the problem is, you know, it's, it's just it, – like my friend Kevin said, have an honest relationship with death and you'll get what you want. Hmm. You really will. To take someone not aggressively, to treat them with kindness and love and a hug. You know, the, the atheist movement – you know, even though I'm very quick to say out of all the people, like I said, that say, oh, they're aggressive and they're – overwhelmingly they're not right you feel they are like i just said that doesn't mean we don't have to be responsible for that and maybe it does need a leader that comes off a little more warm a little more to go listen i swear to you i don't get joy out of stripping you what makes you feel so good i really really don't i if i do i I, i'm unaware of it and i and i'm pretty sure i'm not unaware of that not in on that conversation was SupDoc's co-host George Chen, another very funny guy, but he's on most of the other shows, so check him out. They're available at supdocshow.tumblr.com. They're also on iTunes, Stitcher, etc., etc. Next up is a podcast which I never knew about until they were kind enough to start retweeting some of our stuff a few months back. Oftentimes, that's enough to get our attention, so I went to check out Q Plot Device. It's hosted by four guys, Dr. G, Yash the Scientist, the Captain, and Chief. (laughs) Not their real names, I assume. This show falls into the nerd category, I think, because they cover such things as, quote, cartoons, comics, video games, movies, TV shows, card games, board games, and much, much more, unquote, according to their home site. But one of their segments focuses on their title subject, plot devices. Here they delve into season two of Netflix, Daredevil series. have no brilliant, so it's straight on. The plot device. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, and what are we talking about plot device? We're talking about the first couple episodes of Daredevil. Yes. I can't do the theme song, but it's good. I think Uh, I did it (laughs) because I absolutely love the theme song. I got hooked on it the first season. Second season, they brought back everything. They did not change it, the title screen at all. 
I was hooked immediately. It's much better than the Steven Universe theme song. Whoa, whoa. What? Whoa. <laughs> you, the Steven Universe theme song you just hear far more often. Wow. That's probably it. <laughs> so, we Chief, how, far, how many episodes have you watched? Are the best donkey. I think, oh, I, Wait, I think I'm on six. See, that's catchy. Chief, now you're going to be singing it. Oh, boy. You've done it now. All right, Chief, how far are you? I think I'm on six. Okay, nice. How far are you, uh, Yosh? Um, I think I just finished episode six or seven. Okay. I uh, I, I know done. you finished it, of course. Uh, yeah, I, I finished a while. You ago. binged it. And I so, haven't seen a single uh, thing. But Captain, Captain did not finish any. Yeah, no, Captain hasn't watched any of it. Um, so if you haven't watched this yet, it is Really Good Times. Um, it basically just starts off almost where the first season ended, like pretty close. Daredevil's in costume. Uh, one of my only complaints of the show is for some reason they keep taking him out of his mask for, like, dumb reasons. Not often, but just enough. I'm like, you're blind. Why would you pull it off? It doesn't serve you. <laughs> hmm. Well. Like, uh, I don't know. Like, one person literally hits it off his face, and I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> Maybe that was supposed to be for drama. <laughs> I, I I don't. Oh, man. I, anyways, otherwise, like that's one of my only complaints on the show. I like that they've started arcs a lot. So the first four episodes is basically the Punisher, the Punisher arc. Yeah, right. The main Punisher arc. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was, like, perfect. And then it just led into more things and kept building up. But I think... That's one of the only things that Jessica Jones could have been served by was breaking up that story just a little bit. Uh huh. Um, and but the first season of Daredevil. I, you know, that's that is interesting that you bring that up. That the, the multiple they have an overall arc which I I like, and then they actually cut it up into a segment minor arcs. Mm-hmm. You know, the first and then the once they introduce Elektra and that's another arc and then I'm sure they'll go back. Yeah, and it all and it tie all, it in together, right? Yeah, it connects together well, but I just. I really liked how they handled it. Yeah, that that is actually, and so I I I know about the comics and where Electra comes from and the hand and you know et cetera et cetera. And I kind of figured out, you know, after this one episode, it's like, oh, we're not the 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 Yakuza. I'd be like, well, well, I know where this was going. <laughs> so, yeah. well, I'm one of those people that had never heard of the Daredevil comics, like early on oh. so it's like oh the ninja turtles are a mockery of that it's like oh that's why they're called the foot what a stupid name <laughs> it's sad that we know the parody is better than the original oh i do uh, except okay. i gotta say master splinter is never as much of a jerk as stick is good grief true yeah he he he's quite the uh the bad person but yeah, so the Punisher i think is really well done holy cow finally nailed that uh shane he does a fantastic job of putting uh, the Punisher, uh, getting that not only the character but his his story is really good. It's well done. They also don't pull any punches. He is the Punisher. He, this isn't your soft redemptive Punisher. Nope. This is the Punisher. No mercy Punisher. Did I, I know we probably talked about it last time? But did anybody else think it was going to be Daryl from The Walking Dead and not Shane? Because no. I did. <laughs> You're just getting confused because he was the voice actor of the Punisher one. Yeah, and then this guy showed up and went, wait, I, wait a second. We all said it was Shane. You just you probably substituted Daryl. You just like wishful Walking thinking. <laughs> I like, I you know, I hated Shane. What? Yeah. Okay, maybe, no, maybe as in a The character, Walking Dead, yeah. As, as a, a character, character, yeah. He's a good actor. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I think most people did as well. Yeah. 
That was from their Epi 36, and they have had one or two more since then. If you dig in-depth discussion around that sometimes nebulous thing around which a movie or TV show story revolves, check out Qplot Device. Their home site is qplotdevice.com. Also look for them wherever podcasts are streamed and or downloaded. All right, strap in. We're going to go a little meta here. We've clipped and talked about the CISO C-Show podcast a couple of times previously, hosted by Andrew Stephen. It's an independent podcast, but they cleave very closely to the relatively new CISO streaming comedy channel. In his fourth episode, Stephen himself clips an interview with community creator Dan Harmon, which was done on the hundredth episode of the Innovation Crush podcast last October. So this is a clip of a clip from a show that was clipped. In that episode, Harmon talked at length about the story circle technique of story writing. Before Community, Harmon's first venture into television began with Channel 101, a monthly short-form film festival and website he started with friend and collaborator Rob Schraub. It was a, a sort of a precursor to YouTube or Funny or Die. Channel 101 became the place for up-and-coming comedians and sketch groups to showcase some of their comedy. Uh, people like Tim and Eric, The Lonely Island, and Human Giant. It was during this time he began distilling Joseph Campbell's story structure into what he called the story circle. I, I I became obsessed with the with Joseph Campbell's stuff, and his book is very the, the Hero of a Thousand Faces is very dense, it's very academic uh, prose, you know. And um, I'm a bad reader in the first place. Like I can't, I can't, I'm not, I'm not kidding. Like I can't read any faster than I can talk because I have to hear the words in my head. So it's like, and I have to like if I think about anything in the paragraph, I lose the rest of the paragraph. So I just sort of became just to help myself, like like a like a sort of I don't know a, a differently abled person building their own ramp uh, because I, I just started like codifying the 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 Campbell what Campbell was saying. Like, and I'm also just obsessed with like simplicity. Like I don't believe that I think everything has to be kind of symmetrical and simple, simple if it's actually true. Um, and, and, and so I, you know, whereas Campbell is talking about, you know, these are the, these are the thousand things that can happen when you're engaged in this initiation of descent and return. It was like for him is more spiritual and it was more um, academic. And for me, it was about engineering. It was like, I want to codify this process right. so that I waste less time. I used to perceive it as a waste of time that you spend most of the time writing, not writing, that you're trying to figure out what to write next. I was like, is there a way to just examine this the same way? Carpenters did this, you know? The pe- Everyone does this but us. Why don't we examine this process and try to eliminate the, the waste, you know? In the most basic terms that I can think of, the shape that we recognize as a story, because that became my obsession, is a, a graphic designer can tell you um, when a yellow cylinder becomes a banana, um, without adding any, you know, any more lines than necessary, and they'll, 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 they obsess about that stuff. And it's like, so the equivalent of that in storytelling is like, when is something just information, and when does that become um, a, a story? What does that mean, a story? And uh, as far as I was able to boil it down, it's the story circle. I want you to do something for me. Get a piece of paper and a pen or pencil. Draw a circle. Now divide it in half vertically. Divide that circle again horizontally. And divide each of those quarters in half again. It should look kind of like a pizza with eight slices. But we're not interested in the slices, we're actually interested in the intersections of where each line crosses the outside of the circle. Kind of like a clock, with only eight hours. You get the idea. Starting from the 12 o'clock position and going clockwise, 
Number the points one through eight. Label each point as follows. One. A character is in a zone of comfort. Two. But they want something. Three. They enter an unfamiliar situation. Four. Adapt to it. Five. Get what they wanted. Six. Pay a heavy price for it. Seven. Then return to their familiar situation. Eight. Having changed. And if you need it more simple, just try you, need, go, search, find, take, return, and change. These points and these thresholds and the rest of what you're about to hear come from Dan Harmon's story structure. Uh, you can find more about it. Just Google Dan Harmon's story. A lot of it is compiled on this website, channel101.wikia.com. One. You. Establish a protagonist. When a story starts, the audience is just floating. Like a ghost. You have to give them some place to land. How, how do you do this? How do you put the audience into a character? It's easy. You just, you just show one. Just fade in on them, and we're there. My name is Leslie Nope, and I work for the Parks and Recreation Department. Can I ask you a few questions? You have to show them something, something that you uh, relate to is almost too fine a point to put on it, but something that you you are. So I guess if you want to check out more of that Dan Harmon interview, you can either go to the CISO Seashow show at their home site, CISOshow.com, or go to the original source at the home site for Innovation Crush podcast, which is even longer. Art19.com slash show slash innovation comma crush. No, uh, dash crush. Oh, or just put Innovation Crush into Google because that's usually easier. All right, then. Uh, we're going to run uh, with the meta podcast thing for a little while longer by way of a little musical interlude provided once again by Tyson Saner, our associate producer, who incidentally supplied us with that CISO C-Show clip you just heard. This is called Dance Mr. Boogaloo, and here's the story about how Tyson came up with the idea. He writes... Quote, about a month ago, how did this get made? One of the podcasts I listen to regularly did a live version of their podcast for the Canon Films classic, The Apple. One of the characters in The Apple is called Mr. Boogaloo and is Mr. Boogaloo. No, Mr. Boogaloo and is frequently mispronounced as Mr. Boogaloo by the How Did This Get Made cast as they attempt to explain the film to each other. Something clicked in my head and I immediately scoured the rest of the episode's audio for usable bits. A couple weeks later, the song Dance Mr. Boogaloo was born, and it has been submitted to How Did This Get Made's new segment called Fan Creations, where it currently waits to be noticed in what I can only imagine is a huge pile of submissions from their very interactive listenership, unquote. All right, well, they may not get to it, Tyson, but we'll get to it here. Here is Dance Mr. Boogaloo. Okay. Here we go. Here we go now. Oh. 
Tyson Saner, oh man, one of these days your talents are going to take you far and we'll be left without you. And then what will happen? It'll just be me sitting here waiting for people to send in their stuff. All right, if you want to check out some of his other musical stylings, head on over to SoundCloud.com and search for Tyson Saner. That's S-A-N-E-R. You can also just visit our home site, SuccotashShow.com, and click on the link to his SoundCloud account in the blog entry for this episode, because I will put it right there. Let's stick with the musical theme for a bit by way of a clip uploaded directly to us by the guys over at the Mount Rushmore podcast. According to their home site, the show features Michael Winfield and Richard Manfredi, who argue a lot. Their arguments revolve around what they call the Mount Rushmores of life, which are the four things that best represent any particular category, such as the Mount Rushmores of kids serials as one of their past episodes, or the Mount Rushmores of fictional presidents. They then present those arguments to Jeff Hopkins, a comedian, judge, and jury, who then passes judgment on who is more right. The clip that they uploaded to us is from their Epi 4, the Mount Rushmores of one and done albums. There was no one that was a fan of, like, you kind of took sides. You were a Pearl Jam guy or you're a Nirvana guy. Right. For whatever reason, like, I liked, I liked both. Right, right. Wait, wait, hold on. Richard, who's, were you a Nirvana guy or a Pearl Jam guy? Um, I was a Nirvana guy. I was a Pearl more Jam More than, guy. more, I mean, more than Pearl Jam. But it's and, funny, like, now I look back on it, it's like, I, I like them both now, but right. at the time, you kind of pick sides. One thing I would say it's interesting is with Mother Love Own, and you mentioned they break up, it kind of has these, like, butterfly effect all throughout the Seattle grunge scene. Yeah. Have you ever seen the footage of Stone, not Stone 
Temple Pilots of Alice in Chains when they were a metal band playing like the Sunset Strip like in the 80s. We've seen, I know I've seen um, the Pearl Jam 20 documentary. Mm -hmm. There might be bits and pieces on there where there's this whole side of the grunge scene that you didn't really know what happened that was a lot harder. Right. But I can't, I don't know if I've seen anything else it, besides that. So I'll see if I can post the link to the YouTube on, on our, on our uh, homepage, MountRushmorePodcast.com. Self, selfless plug. funny about this is like all these kind of redefines what you think of as a band because it almost, from what you're talking about, it would almost sound like in Seattle, in every garage or rehearsal room, all these bands are always just kind of playing with each other, promiscuously jumping around from one group to another. And that when we think of a one and done band, it's really just an instance where somebody was hitting record on that right. thing. So it's like almost like uh, if you think of your marriage versus some person you talked to that day, if if somebody would have uh, captured it in a photo, they probably could have associated you with that person. Yeah, it almost seems like I, I'm kind of fascinated by that because those guys probably all played with each other before. They got a recording contract anyway. Sure. Right? Sure. And they, just a, one last thing on this. I think part of it is really just that idea that, okay, there was this kind of metal element to the grunge scene. And the, what we think of as like the grunge movement was really a lot of different pieces here and there. And Mother Love Bone was certainly... There's puppetry, there's performance art. Right. There was a, there was a mime. Mime, bakery. Yeah, some, you, know, you can make a lot of great puppets out of flannel sweaters. <laughs> right. <shirts. laughs> Indeed. There's your taste of the Mount Rushmore podcast provided by the Mount Rushmore podcast itself. How did they do it? Simple. They used our direct upload link to get it to us, and you can too. I mentioned it earlier in the show. I will mention it again. It's at Hightail.com slash you slash Suckatash, and just follow the instructions. The home site for their podcast is easy to find too. It's simply MountRushmorePodcast.com, and Mount is abbreviated MT. There's a whole swath of podcasts out there in podcast land helmed by people who really aren't looking for personal fame, which you can tell because they don't use their last names or real names. Of course, it could just be because they don't want anyone at work or their parents to find out what they're up to. I'm not sure what the case is for Richard and Bruce, the hosts of a show called The Language of Bromance, but they have 93 episodes out there on the pod wave, so it's obviously a serious enough endeavor. Plus, they have a pretty slick looking website, too. I've got a chunk from their Epi 92 entitled Bros at the Zoo. In this clip, they've been ruminating about what it would be like if the animals came to look at people in what they're calling a human zoo. Well, that's the thing. So, you know, what, do you, what would happen in that situation that, you know, you are in the human zoo? You know, monkeys, you know, I would say we'd be probably like the monkeys. You know, every now and then you'll see a monkey just get sexy with himself. He don't give a yeah. fuck. Yeah. He looks you yeah. right in the eyes. He does. He looks you right in the eyes. Like, look at it. Just stare right at it. Sick. Yeah, sick that's animals. right. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I'm going to eat this apple while I do it. Oh, look at that hole in the apple. Yeah, that's what I'm doing with the apple. <laughs> uh, fourth time today, everybody. Get your money's worth. <laughs> yeah, get your money's worth. Watch the monkey yeah, do everybody it. Everybody gather around. <laughs> Coco's gonna experience the only joy he ever does in this stupid zoo. Uh, he just cries on it. It's like, oh, that helps a little bit. No, see, he does it. That's the thing, is he does it with that with zero fucks given. Zero fucks given. But like me, I would I, I'd have to like not face them. <laughs> he turns and just turn around. Hey, what's that? What's what's that human over there doing? You're looking over your shoulder, like, you know, trying to do it all secretly. Stop it! Don't look at me! 
I'm a monster. <laughs> I'm a monster. Why doesn't he just mate with the female? <laughs> well, if you were here ten minutes later, he you know he walked over and tried to get with the female, but she turned him down. Oh, but you wouldn't know that because you haven't been here all day. <laughs> so that's another. So that's another good point. Um, uh, whenever I go to the zoo, I like to like watch the stuff for a little bit, almost to give them kind of appreciation. Like, thank you for being a captive. I will enjoy your uh, presence here a little bit longer than most. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Most people, they just walk They walk by, they stand there for, you know, less than five seconds, and yeah. then they move on. They're like, oh, giraffe. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Eat your leaf, giraffe. Stupid fucking animal. I'm going to throw a leaf at it. <laughs> oh, it didn't go over the fence. Ha! You don't get to eat that leaf giraffe. Ha, ha, I, I showed him. Long neck bastard. <laughs> Who has a long neck anyway? That stupid guy. I hate giraffes. I wish a lion would eat you, giraffe. Let's go get some pretzels and cheese sauce. <laughs> <laughs> That's the day the pros went to the zoo. <laughs> Yo, let's go check out the penguins. I hear they're fly as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> what up, penguins? <laughs> Big one in the house. Look at that one. It dipped in the water. That's so dope. <laughs> Yo, check it out. Looks like a tuxedo. No tuxedo, bro. Oh, it's a girl? It's, it's a girl one? Yeah, you fancy. You <laughs> fancy as fuck. <laughs> Sir, I'm going to have to ask you at least. Whatever, bitch. I work here. It's my day off. I come <laughs> see my other penguin bros. Penguin for life. <laughs> oh, shit. That's funny. <laughs> come on, guys. Richard, Bruce, what are your last names? Drop me an email or direct message on Twitter. We'll reveal the information on the very next Tweet Sack segment. In the meantime, feel free to check out their show at languageofbromance.com, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever. Our next show, Scooped Up by Tyson, is another show featuring semi-anonymous hosts. Now, I don't know why I've got such a thing about that this week. People can do whatever they want. But to me, it smacks of the millennial thing of being anonymous on the Internet, saying shit but not being visible enough for anyone to knock you down for saying it. Now, I'm not saying that the hosts of This Freaking Show are talking shit about anyone. That's the name of the podcast, by the way, This Freaking Show, which is a great name. By way of their home site, the hosts are Travis T., a divinity student, Awkward Colin, a Navy veteran, and Geek Show Joe, a podcaster and graduate student. Their thing is the usual territories of chat fest shows, current events, pop culture, and then, in the miscellaneous column, quote, shenanigans that tickle our fancies, unquote. Now, that must have been written by the graduate student, I'm guessing. And they put their own spin on the commentary, which, in this clip, revolves around, in the wake of Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, it has them asking each other which DC Comics characters would they like to see made into a movie. Besides uh, Wonder Woman, uh... Aquaman, Batman, and Superman movie. Uh, what other DC characters would you love to see a movie made on? Ooh, DC characters. Um, I would, I would, I, I don't know. That's a hard question. I know. That's why I asked. <laughs> what about you, Joe? Um, Is there a DC uh, character um, I've seen a movie made on? I would love to see them do. A good Constantine film. Um, they did do one a while back with Keanu Reeves yes. um, that I don't think paid homage to the character appropriately. After seeing the uh, the Constantine TV show that was canceled this year, 
Um, that that DC show made me so excited for that character mm-hmm. that I'm like actually retroactively upset about the movie that I loved when it came out <laughs> with Keanu Reeves. So I would love to see them remake that and do it do it really well. I got I got it. I would uh in my opinion, I would like to see them make I mean it's already obviously been done, but a Superman movie based on the Smallville series. Oh. A movie using Tom Welling as uh, Clark Kent. Honestly, if we're popping the top off of that can, (laughs) I would love to see any DC movie with any of the television versions (laughs) of the characters because they have been freaking phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I'm actually like – I'm nervous about The Flash as is going to be portrayed in Batman versus Superman because the way that Barry Allen is portrayed on The Flash TV show is so good. And, man, if they ever do – Arrow, Green Arrow, I just don't know what I'm going to do with myself. If it's not Stephen Amell or Amell doing the... Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm I'm with you. I... You have this wild success. Why are you keeping these separate? Yeah. Ugh. What about... A... Cross the streams, Ray. Cross the streams. <laughs> so, what about a Green Arrow movie? You think a Green Arrow movie could uh, be good? Yeah, you know, my only fear with it is that it would just be – it'd be Batman but with, like, arrows instead of <laughs> – I don't know. Like, I, I don't know how they'd do it for a movie. I hope so. I hope they would make it and it would be really, really good and amazing and fantastic. Um, my fear is that they would be like, uh, let's make another Batman movie, but people are kind of tired of Batman, so let's make him green and have him shoot a bow and arrow. <laughs> and just make it we'll just make a Batman movie but we'll call it Green Arrow and people will give us their money like no DC we are not that stupid but like yeah. Warner Brothers go to bed you're done what about Doomsday ooh Doomsday do a villain movie so you know I was actually thinking of um, them making a movie but based on Wayne on Bane yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. That would be a good one. Or like, or like not even Bane, but like you know, like the whole like Rajal Ghul and Natalia, like in that. Like, oh prison. God, yes. Like something like that. Like it starts out in that prison, you know, they're surviving their thing. It ends with, you know, Natalia getting out, rescuing Bane, all that shit. I mean, because you yes. already know what happens. It's been long enough for everyone to see the movie. Now you throw out a prequel to kind of show that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that, I think that's what they need to look at more now. I think they need to do more villain-type movies. Like, I think they're getting the right idea of a Suicide Squad, Sinister Six, and all that stuff. You know, maybe lean towards more of those now. Yeah, that is – I will give it – the one thing DC does better than anybody else is their villains. Mm-hmm. Their villains are so human and they're so real and they're so – just, I mean, as ridiculous as they are, you can believe that somebody would have this type of psychotic break with reality and would go on this particular type of murder spree or, or, you know, whatever. Yeah. So absolutely. Give me like a League of Assassins movie. 
in a heartbeat. Give me, give me a movie called The Demon's Head, and it's all about Ra's al Ghul and his relationship with his daughter and Bane and all of this other stuff. Yes, please. Yeah. Sign me up. You can catch This Freakin' Show at their home site at thisfreakinshow.com, but keep in mind that they weren't able to get the URL with the W in show. So uh, it's This Freakin' No G, show, no W.com. Tell you what, come to SuccotashShow.com. We have all the letters there. And just click on the title of their show in the blog write-up. They're also on Podbean, iTunes, and so forth. Okay, okay. I'm going to give up obsessing on this no one wants to use their real name thing. It's kind of like radio back in the day when all the on-air personalities had made-up names like Wolfman Jack, Jocko Henderson, and Kid Leo. I guess this is the podcast trend, at least for hosts that aren't famous comedians or whatever. So let the slack cutting begin with the Poop Culture Podcasts. The hosts are the Booby Brothers and Man Crush. Clearly, their pseudonyms haven't kept them from getting decent guests on the show. A few episodes back, they talked at length to Lloyd Kaufman, the man, the myth, and the legend behind Troma Films. Here's a piece of that convo. Well, you were talking about how you guys started off and, you know, how uh, Michael decided that uh, Madonna wasn't a good fit for the role. And, uh, yes, he cleverly managed to turn her down and took some uh, woman who, uh, well, she was brilliant. But anyway, that was Vincent D'Onofrio's first turn. Uh, his first turn on was his uh, first movie, and um, the uh, and then after that we did uh, Stuck on You, a wonderful film. Uh, so we did about four or five of the um, kind of raunchy comedies, and they're great. They're hilarious. Uh, check them out. I think they're on the Troma Movie Channel on YouTube, and they're all free. We to thank our fans, we put up uh, three hundred. Uh, trauma movies on YouTube. If you go to trauma movies on YouTube, you will um, see the magic. Uh, and uh, I think uh, those movies are part of it. You can get lost on a on a trauma YouTube site, and it's not it's not just the uh, it's not just the stuff you distributed that's up there either. I mean, there's the, the classic trauma films are up there as well. So uh, thank you, Lloyd, for putting those up there because. Um, you know, sometimes they'll bait and switch you sometimes with, with they'll, you know, studios will put up something that's crap and then they'll make you, oh, but if you want to watch the rest of it, you got to pay four ninety nine or five ninety nine. But um, thank you for putting that up there. I know you're, I know Ooh. as a fan, we love it. Oh, yeah. Well, we wanted to thank our fans for, um, for uh, 40 years of support and uh, how nice was that, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, uh, we did it. And uh, there's also a lot of short, uh, short pieces and make your own damn movie lessons and uh, kind of uh, we we put up uh, we put up uh, our take on Oscar so white quite so you know we got a lot to say and uh, we uh, we wouldn't be around without our fans I'll tell you that well, I'm pushing you for uh, I mean? John Goodman to get a BET award so Oh, did John Goodman get the? Is he the fat guy and uh, the Coen Brothers? It, well, he's yeah. he's from Ten Cloverfield, and, and I, he did an amazing job, and I think he deserves the BET a- Actor of the Year award. So, oh, because a Snoop Dogg, uh, I thought he was going to get the award. Uh, we're, we're gonna we're gonna lobby this year. We're gonna lobby for John Goodman. The, yeah, the fans are gonna get behind <laughs> the poop culture. Yep. I haven't seen Ten Cloverfield, but I did see Snoop Dogg wearing whiteface, and uh, I thought he was <laughs> a, a very good uh, winner this year. <laughs> wearing the whiteface. <laughs> that was hilarious in that video. You guys, Actually, you shared it out to us earlier 
today or maybe oh, it was good. last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was well, it's an important. The point is the 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 Will Smiths of the world who certainly have kowtowed to uh, the man. Uh, they they you know white so black black so whatever that whatever the horseshit is. The problem is that the industry the media is controlled by well what I said in that piece is controlled by old white men who hate women and who hate uh, uh, anybody but white people right and uh, <laughs> that's what it's all about and uh, that's what the message should be. It should be that uh, the they have to put to get well, there has to be more competition. They can't. Uh, they have to bring back the uh, anti-monopoly laws and the uh, the laws that encourage independent enterprise, but they don't, right? They don't. They wink at it, right? And Obama, Clinton, all the progressives. Hillary, will, you know, she gets paid by these people, right? She gives a, a speech and gets four hundred thousand bucks for. It. So right, we're not going to get the. It's not going to get any better until. Uh, until Bernie gets elected, nothing happening. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, like, who, so. who the hell knows? He would what's stir. Happen he then. would stir it up, and he'd stir it up. If you'd like to hear that chat in its entirety, go no further than their home site, poopculture.com. You can also catch them on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and all the usual podcast haunts. Have I mentioned you can also catch Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast, in all those places? Well, you can. Another selection from Tyson Saner's bushel basket full of clips comes from a show with the blatant title, This is a Podcast. Interestingly, there is a second show called This is a Podcast Show, listed on iTunes, but don't be fooled. The last episode for that show was in September of last year. Another few months without a fresh installment, and that show will be eligible for the podcast graveyard segment. But this version of This is a Podcast, hosted by Thomas Alley and Christy Diaz, who are described as 20-something young lovers on the Stitcher website, says that they poke fun at the world in a way that most wouldn't. <laughs> Let's listen to them go at it. So if we were to go to the MPAA, and we were just like, hey, rate us, it's going to be an R. Right. Just because of the fuck. But is it a hard R? Like, is it R like... Where it's borderline NC-17? No. Yeah. I think we're like, no nudity. We're just regular R. We're just cursy. We're no violent, no we're nudity. We're like comedy R. Yeah. But that would be suggest that we're funny. Yeah. So maybe like, 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 like indie movie R. Yeah. I could take that. We're like, like, okay, see, I'm, I'm going to show my... We're like clerks R. Okay. We'll right? There's no... Aside from the people getting, like, fucking in the bathroom and dying. Yeah. Like, where clerks are. I mean, like, you don't see that, though. You don't see it, but... It's just, it's just the implication that... Right. We imply a lot of things. We don't do a lot of things. Yeah. We, we apply... Uh, we, We're all talk, no action. Exactly. We <laughs> imply, we curse, we make nerdy references. Granted, you can't even see us right now. We're the clerks of podcasting. Oh. Think about it. Right? I feel like that's a big thing to say, so... I don't give a shit. I'll make that claim. <laughs> We're the Clerks of Podcasting. That's the title of the show. The Clerks of Podcasting. There you go. Season two. The clerks of Podcasting. <laughs> That's our new podcast name. This is the podcast is over. Um, think about it. If because you can think about what makes Clerks Clerks. As a Kevin Smith fan, mm -hmm. I mean, I've seen Clerks a dozen times. Yes, yeah. Oh, a lot right. of impli a lot of implied dirty, dirty comedy. Like thirty-seven dicks. Yeah, thirty-seven. You suck thirty-seven dicks. Fucking in the a lot of dicks. It's a lot of dicks. A lot of implications, but no visuals. Like, there's no, no. sex scenes, nothing like that. There's a lot of visuals in my head right now. Right. 37 dicks. I think of 37 penises in a row. And just blow, 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 blow. Like, suck, Gee. suck, suck like that. Like an assembly line. Gee, her jaw is going to be so sore. She only goes down on a couple guys. Uh, with Marilyn Gigliotti. What? Marilyn Gigliotti. That's the actress's name. Oh. She was a nothing ever again. Yeah. Much like Brian O'Halloran. Really, yeah. I, see, this hurts my soul. 
One of those instances we talked about when I went to see when we went to Jane Bob's. Never meet your heroes. I hear Brian O'Halloran is a horrible person. I like can he's see a it. he's a dick. I can see and like it. I would assume like to the people he knows, probably mm. considered a nice guy. Yeah. But I hear <coughs> like it's one of those things where he's just like, I'm fucking like, yes, I'm the guy from Clerks. Like he gets over it. Yeah, because like that, that's what he did. Because that's what he did and that's what he's been stuck at. Right. He got and not he, every actor enjoys that unless they're a superhero. Right, but I would imagine if like if you're Brian O'Halloran, let's say, or you're any of those, like if you're Jason Mewes, like fuck it, like if you. But like, there's a difference because like probably Brian O'Halloran, like he did Clerks, got known for Clerks, and he was a real actor. Yeah, but then if that's all you're known for and got nothing else really after that to be known for. But I think I don't think in in my head, if he doesn't get Clerks, he doesn't get anything. Yeah. I think him being cast in Clerks opened the door for shit like Vulgar. He did mm-hmm. Brian Johnson's movie, um, which he was a clown that got fucked in the ass, which oh, was well Vulgar. So many images being put yeah. in my head today. But a lot of fucking in the ass. <laughs> I think <Hiking. laughs> I, I think that if you if you if he doesn't get Clerks, mm-hmm. he doesn't get the small bit role he got eventually. Yeah, and he he goes on being just another guy who lived off of playing yeah. bit parts, so he doesn't get that recognition of being. Dante from Clerks, and he doesn't get to go to cons as yeah, Dante probably. from Clerks, and he doesn't get saying, all those like, other roles in the Kevin Smith like movies. It, it's reach like that's your fame. Just live on that. Yeah, just live on that. Jason Mewes has lived on that and, and has done the podcast living on that yeah, too. And, and, and but he's done other shit. Yeah, I know which that. Is the, which is the one thing that kind of blew, because Jason Mewes wasn't an actor. Yeah, but it's because he's became he, pretty good at yeah. it. Like he's not fucking starring in no, Hollywood roles. Obviously, but not. he was in that sh- that uh, Canadian show uh, Jake in the Book of Pure Evil. Sure. It's hilarious. I, it was on I've Netflix. Never heard of it. I don't know if it's still on Netflix, but it was hilarious. It was mm-hmm. like a, a dark like comedy mm-hmm. and like he played like a janitor. It was two seasons and got canceled mm-hmm. and supposedly they they're crowdfunding a movie, which uh, makes me excited because yeah. the second season ends on a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh, bring it back. Put Jay in a movie." And he's going to be in, I mean, he's coming back from Moose Jaws yeah. as Jay and and it's going to do Clerks 3 and Mallrats 2. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> he's, he's going to be doing more stuff. But again, off track. Um, yeah. So we're the clerks of podcasts. Yes. A lot of impl- a lot of implied dirty things, but never anything real. Obviously. Um, a lot of the word fuck. Yes. A lot of the fuck, word fuck. Fuck. Mother, motherfucker. Wrong movie, but I'll give it to you. I'm just gonna take it anyways. And uh, nerd references all the time. All the time. Where the clerks of podcasting? Now go tweet. I'm gonna. That's gonna be the name of the episode this week. It has to be now. And I'm just gonna be like, we call you this. You may want to write this down. I'm gonna change the, the the logo for the week to black and white. Oh, okay. And we're gonna be the clerks of of podcasting. Do that? I'm gonna do that for this week. Change so, the logo. You know, high five on that. that yeah. Was good. Change the logo to black Ow. and white. And it's, just like, <laughs> and it's just like the description is just gonna say, "Wasn't he supposed to be here today?" And that's it. That's, that's all you. That's get. all the description says. We're not even supposed to be here today. Those two crazy kids don't seem to have a proper home site, but you can find this is a podcast on Stitcher, iTunes, or use Google or some other fine search engine to track them down elsewhere, won't you? The next clip comes from a show that's begun passing the succotash, meaning retweeting our succotash tweets on Twitter, and we love that. It's called the Unoriginal Podcast, which is very honest but not very original. As it turns out, because there's the original unoriginal podcast, as it's called, but they stopped putting out new episodes back in 2012, a definite candidate for the podcast graveyard. We'll do that the next show around. If we only had the time this week, we'd do it, but we don't. Anyway, this unoriginal podcast hails from Ireland and features Ciara, Deo, and Freddie. 
They're only five episodes in and don't seem to have a proper home site yet. This slice is from their Epi 4 entitled The One with the Shenanigans. There's that word again. What's the deal with shenanigans this week? Are you guys ready? I'm ready. Oh, my God. So, Freddie's leading the game. Yes. No, this is nervous for this game. You don't know what goes on this This is my part. Nobody else speaks. (laughs) This is my part. Nobody else speaks. This little light of mine. Glory be to God. God. Okay. 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 Let's go. So, this week, um, this is a game that Freddie calls Would You Rather. What, you call it that? Shut the fuck up. Um, <laughs> it's called... Fuck you, right? Fuck you, you fucking... You're you fucking... Uh, I'm not that with that. It's edit that. Alright, um... <laughs> so... I would get I would get dragged for that. But anyway... Yeah, it's allowed. Uh, is it? <laughs> Just for me. Um, sorry about his ignorance. Oi, so... Oi. Here we go, guys. First question... Would you rather tell your parents about the people you've had sex with or earn nothing for a year? I'm telling them. Straight up. Straight <laughs> up. Earn nothing for the year. Yeah. I'm a very, very expensive young man. That's a hard question. It's a hard. I'm listing the names. Oh, well, no. No, no, no. I tell <laughs> them. No, it's I tell not them. a list. <laughs> wait. No, I wait, tell My them. whole life or just yeah, for the year? My whole life. Tell them everything. My everybody, whole life. Everybody you've had sex with. I tell, no, I tell, my man knows. That's fine. Like, oh, my God. Wait, my whole life. Tell your dad. Oh, I don't know. I might, I might have to go broke and live off a trust fund. My innocent little daughter. Like, no girl is, like, like happy to be like, oh, dad. <laughs> like, it was so, yeah, I don't so, think I'm so, going to so, tell so. my mom, actually. Now you say it like that, I don't think I'm going to tell my mom. Yeah, my mom, like, probably knows. Like, yeah, my mom knows. I don't know. This is hard. I know it's supposed to be. I could never imagine sitting down and being like... like um, but can you imagine being broke for a whole year, though? I'd live off savings or something. Can there's I live all, off savings? Always the exactly. Can <laughs> I live, you're earning money that well, can I live off like my money that I have? Like oh, no, actually, you can't earn the dough because you, you can't earn. Yeah, the you can't. It's, yeah. Shit, you can't live. That's off there's a loophole. If I have like a little bit of money saved up, I don't have to tell anyone who I said. Yeah, it's not earning. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, earning. Yeah, it's um, not earning so. so got around you guys, that. which one is that? So you guys, you would um, tell your parents? Nah, I don't think I would. I think I'd tell my parents. Would you? Would you? Your poor mom. Does she care? No. No. Uh, my mom was trying to give me the talk so many times. I just walk out. <laughs> at this age? No, no, obviously at this age. It's different with lads, though. I just walk out. Yeah, it's different it's with lads. It's different with lads. My, my parents never really talked to me about her. Oh, she tried. I think my mom just told me, oh, just don't bring a baby to this house. I never knew. She said in Yoruba. She said in Yoruba as well. So she I don't know what I from you. She said it in Yoruba, so it's a, it's a lot. It, it, it hits your head. For the white oh. listeners, that is a dialect of... Nigeria. Nigeria. Um, okay, second one. Would you rather smell like poop and not know it, or constantly smell like poop, <gasps> or constantly be smelling poop that nobody else can smell? What? Wait a minute. That's awful. Wait a wait a minute. Wait, I'm Cyber. Smelling... I was in IKEA yesterday, <laughs> and there was this man, and like I think he had like a colostomy bag or something. But... Yeah. Oh God Almighty! Oh God, oh. stop. <sighs> And can you not, if you smell of it, can you cover it? Like, can you, like, have a knacker shower? Listen, I'm not the one making up. <laughs> I just said knacker shower. <laughs> wow. I, I think, what's that, licks? <laughs> licks shower. Yeah. It's like when you drown yourself in oh, deodorant. So which, which one would you rather? Oh, God, I don't know. I don't know. I think I would rather just smell the shit. 
Yeah. And no one can taste it. Oh, I, 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 I suppose, probably. yeah. Like, like shit, smell. shit is not that bad. It's, it's, it's not that bad, depending yeah. on what, whose shit you smell. Exactly. Yeah. Find the unoriginal podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Maybe they're on Stitcher. What am I, your personal Google? Look it up, as my dad used to say whenever I asked him about something I didn't know about. All right, it's time to hit that old devil tweet sack. Hello, Tweety. And we've got a lot in there this time. I can tell by Tweety's heft. I'm a big fan of a series on Netflix called Bloodline. One of the stars is an actor named Ben Mendelsohn. He's on a recent episode of The New Hollywood, hosted by friend of Succotash, Brian Flaherty, who sent me a note that reads, quote, Australian actor Ben Mendelsohn talks Netflix Bloodline, playing as PS4, how Nicole Kidman may have helped him get his first Hollywood job, and how Scott McNary and a bunch of dogs were the best thing about making Killing Them Softly. He did not discuss Rogue One Star Wars. Unquote. So check out the new Hollywood podcast. I think he's in that uh, Rogue One, by the way. So that's why that was mentioned. I got an email in from KJ Wakefield that reads, quote, Hi, Mark. I'm the producer of the comedy podcast Modern Day Philosophers. I'm emailing because on April 20th, we're releasing an episode featuring Ben uh, Brian Regan. Would you be interested in covering the release and or interviewing the host of the show, Danny Lobel? Sincerely, KJ, unquote. Well, we've clipped Danny's podcast on the show, plus we've had a lot of friends in common, including Brian Regan, so I said, quote, of course, unquote, and we've got a Skype uh, chat set up for this next week, which may end up being the basis for Epi 132, who knows, so uh, thanks for getting in touch with us. There was a nice mention on Twitter from Corky Knievel, the brains behind the Potato Bureau podcast, and also the Stab Improv Show and podcast. He says, quote, thank you, Succotash Show, for featuring my dumb little musical comedy show and for all the great work you do for the medium, unquote. I guess that's my quirky Knievel voice. It sounds a lot like mine. Got another Twitter mention from DK and Sir Big B in response for us clipping their podcast last episode. They say, quote, thanks for putting Cave Crew Radio on your show. We really appreciate it, unquote. You got it, boys. Got a note, a press release, really, from Billy Proceda of the Man Whore Podcast, touting his latest episode. He says, hello. On the latest episode of the Man Whore Podcast, New York comedians Billy Proceda and guest B- Brett Druck discussed dating skepticism, butt stuff, and anal Stockholm syndrome. But Druck, who's from Fox's Laughs, has a bigger world problem he wishes to solve. We really need a new name for doggy style. The two comics have a hilarious chat figuring out what a better name would be, unquote. Enough said. Check them out at manwhorepod.com. Got a tweet out from the Reverend John M. Price, a.k.a. at jprice02, which reads, Hershko is a writer, comedian, and podcaster that I find great joy in listening to. Succotash Show is where you can find him. Thanks, Rev. John is threatening to start up his own podcast. I have in return threatened to clip it and feature it on the show. Here's a direct message from Dan of True Facts Podcast. He says, quote, hey, Mark, thanks for the follow back. I'm an avid reader of your podcast review column on Huffington Post and would love it if you had a few minutes to give our podcast a listen. Is there anywhere I can fire a press release over uh, with a bit more information? Unquote. So I gave him my email address, which is simply M-A-R-C. That's Mark at SuccotashShow.com. He sent along the following information about his show. Two friends and I have recently launched a humorous, a humorous fact-based discussion podcast called True Facts, a factual podcast. I've been an avid reader of your Huffington Post podcast column for a while and think we have fairly similar tastes, so hopefully you will enjoy what we do. I've attached our press release and contact information and will really appreciate it if you can find a few minutes to take a listen. 
Well, thank you, Dan. I'll download it, give it a listen, and maybe we'll clip it here on the show. And who knows, maybe I'll even uh, give you a little write-up in one of the uh, the spaces in either splitsider.com or Huffington Post. Let's see, just a couple more notes here. Fifth episode of Victrola Sketch Podcast has dropped and is, according to producer Mike Jastroch, well, is well worth a listen. Love those guys, so check them out at coldtowntheater.com. And the Wasted Advice Podcast DM'd a note that said they were looking to set up a remote interview with someone down stateside. I guess they're in Canada. I thought they were asking me to be on the show, but no, they just wanted to know if I'd share the setup that we use for doing interviews. Damn. I wrote back and told them, and I'll tell you as it's quite simple. I just use Skype for the connection, Audio Hijack Pro to record it, and sometimes I'll plug a Samson mic in at my end to enhance my sound quality. The real trick to doing a remote uh, interview and if it's from a fellow podcaster, this is easy. I ask them to record it from their end as well as an insurance policy in case, in case my side goes kablooey. All right, we're about to wrap up with our second burst of durst. But first, let me ramp up the old kudo machine to thank those folks who were kind enough to tweet, retweet, DM, favorite, follow, like, or otherwise mention Succotash in their social media during the past week or so. Ice in the face. The Pick Sports Pod, LED Flashing, Alex Guerin, Alex Guerin, Vibe Comedy, Abner Surd, Stuart Rice, Zesty Trailblazers, George Grimwood, Sketch Comedy Podcast, The All-Seeing Guys, Grouch Incorporated, Comical Podcast 2, The Pop Culture Cafe, The Lone Meatball, Pietro Blaxamoff, Three Cuckoos Podcast, Joe Moffat Show, Illusionoid, Jeremiah Watts, Choo Choo Stew, Spooky Meat, Allison Chadwick, The Slant, Highly Recommended, Passersby Podcast, Ben Larison, We Got This Podcast, Mike Marsh, Steve Dockerson, aka Hob the Troll, Colin Yaruso, I can't race through this thing, Colin Yaruso, Rick Overton, Sideshow Network, Jay Carteray, <laughs> Salty Language Pod, The fa- Fake Ass Radio Show, Kimberly Chambers, 99 Quid Social, The, cinemato- the cinemato- uh, Cinematologists, Davian Dent, Strange Time Show, DJS, Hal Lublin, Scav D, Shauna Nicole, Lobster Jess, Drunken Dork Podcast, Gormless Mook, Christine Blackburn from the Storyworthy Podcast, Potter and Family, Stephen Sellers, Courtney Bangrease, <laughs> Water Cooler DK, Hunter Block, Lynn Hoffman Luce, Isaac S. Loftus, Andrew Hall, Brainiac 5, Russell McLean, T.G. Shepard, Russell and Mudtooth, Untapped Potential, LAB Podcast, Constant Struggle Pod, Nick Watson, Crossover Podcast, Dr. G, Ed Wallach, Radio Rubber Room, Podcast Trending, Betty Betty Nice, Casa Mirth Podcast, Lucas J. Roback, Louise Polanker, Andrew Walton, Broken Filter Live Show, Ella James, Jabs of the D-Head Factor, Dave in the K from the Taco Tuesday Podcast, N- Natasha Muse, Travis Clark, DJ Schwan, Jelly- Jenny Belly, Martin Hershey, California Tacos, Leslie Jenkinson, Eden Burning, Screen Relish, Beluga Tunes, Kim Royal, Flirty Sang, John Bailey, Mossback, Gilbert Gottfried, Hosts and Coffee, Xavier Bresniak, SM Unscrambled Show, Bob Ruffalo, Tiny Odd Conversations, Vin Forte, Backstage with RDM, Adam Spiegelman, The Angry Ginger, Richard Wentworth, 
Graham Elwood, Samantha Pett, Michael Green, Cowpunch Redneck, Jackie Cation, Super Peepee Time, Real Rats Podcast, Mary Jane Miller, Jeffrey Welchman, Superhero Speak, Good Morning You Drunks, Quadcast Courtney, Bad Cop, Bad Cop Show, Jeff Waters, Aisha Tyler, who liked our tweet telling how we gave 50 bucks to our Kickstarter campaign to produce our own movie, Susanna Brisk, Podcast Stack, Derek Hawley, Akon, Rapture Insurance, Sodio, Couple Things Podcast, Painted Black Comics, Adam JP, Now That I'm Older, uh, Michelle Dermeyer, Demetrius Nikos, Frank Cronin, and the Dirty Bit Podcast. Oh, man, that list's getting longer every week. Hey, guys. Will Durst here with a few choice words on the wacky ugliness going down in the primary process of the Democrats. Surprise, surprise. While Republicans have regularly been tearing into each other like crazed cannibalistic piranhas, Democrats have hopped around this competition like baby rabbits playing tag in a shaded glen. In an effort not to muddy the general election waters too badly, Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton have thus far treated each other with the courtesy and respect normally practiced by librarians in a school for special needs children. Up until now, the most heated discussion between the two was over which NPR station played the better mandolin music. It's the idealists versus the realists. His youthful supporters feel the burn because the Vermont senator is promising free health care and free tuition and ponies. Everybody gets a pony. And the establishment backs Hillary because she knows where all the bodies are buried and who put how many holes in every one of them. Ever the gentleman, Bernie even said, I'm tired of hearing about your damn emails. Although some suspect that's because he doesn't know what they are. To him, a pager is dark sorcery. But now the electoral circus has moved to New York, which means it's getting to be crunch time and the bunnies are growing fangs. She says, I'm not even sure he's a Democrat. And he comes back with, she's not qualified to be president. Can't wait for the two to start posting unflattering pictures of each other's spouses. Or talk about the size of their hands. Of course, going negative holds a larger risk for Hillary than for Bernie. For one thing, the Democratic frontrunner can't afford to alienate Sanders' delicate-as-a-snowflake followers. And also, if she isn't careful, she could be charged with elder abuse. For Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast... I'm Will Durst. There's your second burst of Durst. You can catch Will Durst tweeting at Will Durst if you like, or visit his website, willdurst.com. Did that seem an extra long episode, or is it just me? Oh, well, who cares? It's free. Listen, don't listen. This is Podcast Land, and I'm not about to tell you what to do. I will suggest that you visit our home site at SuccotashShow.com and help to keep us in business by clicking on the Donate button there or tossing us a few bones, or use the Amazon banner at the top of the same page next time you want to buy something from Amazon. We get a little taste of that. Or buy some of our merch from the Succotashery. Ah, that's it. That's all the plugs there are. Other than those things, I got nothing. Except this. Please remember to pass the Succotash. Good Bye. And from now on, just call me Hirschko. You've been listening to Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuckatashShow.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher Smart Radio, and on SoundCloud. You can also hear us streaming and like us on Facebook... 
Follow us on Twitter at Succotash Show. Email us at marc at succotashshow.com. Or call into the Succotash hotline at our non-toll-free call number, 818-921-7212. Succotash is produced and engineered with the kind assistance of Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, home of the hit. Our associate producer is Tyson Saner. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I am your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the succotage. Goodbye.